Life Her Podcast. Her is me, her is you. Her is us, her is she, her is we. United we stand, baby, that her for keeps. I'm coming and I demand my space. I know it's free. I owe myself the world. They tried to count me out. Hey y'all, I had an exclusive interview with Leslie Ann Cole. She is an award-winning screenwriter and filmmaker who works with both scripted and non-scripted material. Um, Not to mention, she is doing some amazing, dope things in Toronto, Canada. She is the executive director of the Female Eye Film Festival. This festival is something where a bunch of women just come together and they receive awards and they get the network. And just the fact that she is empowering women in film and also that are also executive directors it is amazing. Sometimes we only find ourselves going in one direction, but when we're together as a unit of women, we can make some things happen. Empowerment is what she's all about. Listen to this interview and you'll get to know so much more about Leslie. Thank you guys. Peace. Everyone, this is Yvette Loy of Life Her Podcast. I have Leslie and Coles with me right now. Hey, Leslie. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just <laughs> working away here. <laughs> so how, how did your day go? Um. Well, I woke up thinking, wow, the festival comes to an end today. Like the film pro part portion of the festival comes to a close today at 9 a.m. in the morning, TIFF, at Digital TIFF Bell Lightbox. And we rounded off our day yesterday with a really great panel of women. Uh, It was called Women Shattering the Glass Ceiling, Tanya Lee Williams from Real World, Ella Cooper from Black Women Films Canada, uh, Women in Film and Television, WIDC, Women in Film and Women in the Director's Chair and the Female Eye, and Women in View. And it was really amazing. Um, and so today I kind of woke up and went, oh my gosh, I got I got my own work to do. I mean, outside of the festival, I'm a filmmaker and a screenwriter, and I have a deadline today for um, the Writers Lab, and I have another deadline for a grant um, that's already been funded, but I need a little more funding. So it's just kind of crazy. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. I mean, that's our, our entrepreneur life of making things happen. <laughs> Isn't it true? Oh, yeah. When when do you find time for yourself, though? Tomorrow, I'm going up north. I'm going to hit Bomb Beach, which is northern Ontario. I'm going to drive up with a friend of mine, a girlfriend. And it's only like a two-hour drive. We're going to head up there. And then I am going to go for a long watch on a northern Ontario beach. Hopefully, there's no ice and snow there. And I may even, if the water has thawed, I think I may throw myself into the frozen lake for a couple of minutes like a true... Canadian polar bear. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That yeah. Like fun. <laughs> so Leslie, can you um let our listeners know who you are and what do you do? I am a screenwriter and a filmmaker. I'm an actress and I also founded and I'm the executive director of the Female Eye Film Festival here in Canada. We are an annual 
Women Directors Festival. So we showcased yes. films directed by women from around the world. Wow, that is amazing. What inspired you to start something like that? I was uh, hitting the film festival circuit with my first film in 2001. And I noticed um, in the couple of years that I was in the festival circuit, like the independent film festivals around the world, there weren't many women. And I would see women. There were five of us or 10 of us, maybe, among like 30 men. <laughs> and, and it raised a question for me. And the question was, where are the women directors? Or are there no women directors? Or are there films not getting programmed? And so I invited actually a lot of American women directors who I'd met at various festivals throughout the U.S. And I said, listen, if I do an event in Toronto and we show films directed by women for a weekend, will you come? And they were like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely be there. And they did show up and we showed 42 films in November of 2001. And that begat the female eye. But at the time, I don't think I thought I would be running an international women's festival, a competitive women's festival now for we're in our 20th year, but we just celebrated our 19th edition. Wow. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. How does, <laughs> how, does, how does that feel, though? Um, I haven't had time to really distill everything that happened. It, it was an unusual year for us. We're usually a live event. So mm-hmm. we celebrate and watch each other's films and sit on panels and eat breakfast together. And, you know, we're friends for life. And um, it's a real community of women directors. And we don't, you know, we have a lot of what I refer to as repeat offenders. And they come back year after year. Every five years, we'll see a short and then we'll see a feature film from the same director. And sometimes we'll even see collaborations between filmmakers that didn't know each other but met at the female eye and they decided to collaborate. So I think what we're, I, I, you know, I haven't had time to really distill the whole digital platform, virtual meetings, virtual screenings. I I haven't had time to fully process that whole experience. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. Oh, wow. I kind of figured you was going to say that. That's why I asked you that. Because, you know, sometimes we just work so hard and we are just trying to accomplish so many things. And... Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just don't think about it because it comes natural for us to do the things that we do every day because this is what we love to do. Yep. Women, women, women. I mean, we are so powerful and incredible and hardworking. It's like ridiculous what we do in a given, any given day. It marbles me. I'm honestly at, I'm in awe of all my, every woman on the planet. (laughs) Tell you. Yes. Yes, for sure. So behind the scenes of Leslie, what are the the obstacles that come into your life as far as you making these things happen? Because we all know it's not a walk in a park. So take someone on the inside that is looking on the outside of the things that you go through to try to put things together for these women. Right. Well, I mean, certainly some of the obstacles, like I think I shared with you prior to coming on the call, 
I received um, funding for a film that I'm, I wrote and I'm directing, and I'm actually in part of it, um, and I'm going to camera the end of the summer, early fall. Um, but I didn't get funding from another funder, so I'm going back to that funder to say, hey, I've got over 50% of the budget. Are you going to come in? And I've slightly revised it, my original proposal. So we'll see what happens. So in terms of my work funding, in terms of my life, there's never enough time. Um, and, you know, women are still, we're still fighting for equality in the industry of film and television. We're still fighting, you know, ageism and we're fighting, um, you know, perceptions and characters and don't even get me into the whole BIPOC uh, that all of that gender, uh, not even gender inequality. There's just so much that we fight, you know, systemically as, as, a, as a people that I feel that is sometimes an obstacle. Although we've seen changes in the last five, 10 years, certainly more women getting funding, more women directing films, but we've made a lot of noise and we've taken down a lot of walls and we'll continue to. How do you feel as far as women being treated in the Hollywood aspect of it? I think we need more women writing and directing because women portray women differently than men. Um, That's true. You'll notice with the films written and directed by women, one thing I've noticed over the years and certainly through my own work as well, is that women are the lead roles. Women are the protagonists. Women aren't in some kind of secondary role where they're the bobble on the arm of a man that's 40 years older than them. They're not, you know, the way they treat certain elements of storytelling. Um, violence is often what you don't see, which is really, truly disturbing sometimes. And nothing's gratuitous. Yes. Um, and they don't and they don't favor the male gaze. So it's just it's a different it's a very different experience. And I remember in the early years of the festival, we would get films literally submitted to us on VHS. And I remember it was before digital. And I was I remember looking at the films and going, I'm not used to seeing women over the age of 30 on screen. I'm not used to seeing wizened old faces. I'm not used to seeing like I was like kind of like, wow. It really hit me that how much we weren't, we didn't have a culture that spoke to women, that spoke to age, that spoke to wisdom, that spoke to, you know, the female experience. And all of a sudden I was seeing it and it was mind but It just blew my mind. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even, I didn't even realize how much we weren't even represented on screen or our stories weren't reflected in cinema or television. So it was really maybe more so in television with sitcoms and things like that, but it was just a, it was a different experience. You know, I have to agree with you with that because, you know, when you usually see the male as an executive producer, it's like we always portrayed as always the, um, the battered woman or being abused or always being that independent woman or always being the crazy woman. (laughs) Always the crazy, okay. Always the crazy woman, the unattainable woman, the loose, sleazy woman or the bitch or the good mother or the the good mother or the bad mother. But we're never a combination of any of those things. 
we can't be a good mother and sometimes maybe a bad mother. Sometimes we're not perfect mothers. We can't be a faithful wife and be a, a terrible, cheating, terrible, money-grabbing wife. We can't be, like, just so stereotypical, like, very yes. stereotypical, very cookie-cutter molds of stereotypes of women, which are so yes. inaccurate, you know? Yes, it's like they just scared to just make us just plain badasses, you know? Oh, I love the badasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. So good. So good. So we we see women doing it. And, you know, a few years ago, we, um, more than a few years ago, we started seeing late night thrills and chills. Like right, late night, like sexy shorts and late night frightening movies. And, you know, I thought, oh, my goodness, we need to have a late night thrills and chills program dedicated to women directors. So we started that. You know, we get action films and sci-fi and all kinds of things directed by women. Documentaries blow my mind because women just have a way of getting in places to tell the most incredible stories. And sometimes with documentaries, I, I think to myself, how did they get that access? How did they get in there? And I think it's because women are nurturing and communicative and the world isn't totally threatened by a shit, although I think they are, but they pretend they're not. So, Oh yeah. I, you know, I I don't know. I think we just have to keep moving forward and, and holding each other up and supporting other women. I mean, we cannot be siloed anymore. We cannot be just operating in our own vacuum. We need to pave the road forward for younger women so they know they can do it. Yes, that is so true. And, you know, sometimes we, um, some women could come as, come off as mean girls when we really are here to uplift and inspire you. Or the fact of some women, sometimes it's hard for them to actually feel comfortable about a woman being in the presence of them because they always think we have an ulterior motive when some of us are coming off in a good place, you know? So it's well, like also we, we've been we set up yes. to with each other. We've been trained that we are in competition with each other. We're in mm-hmm. competition for the men. We're in competition for the money. We're in competition for the job. We're in competition. You know, we're all only in competition with ourselves. I mean, what yes. is ours, ours? You know, and I think we need to, like, really stop thinking that way. I've mm-hmm. always it like when a filmmaker friend or a screenwriter tells me hey I just got funded for my you know final draft of my feature and I'm like yes because for me I always looked at it like a win for one sister is a win for another that's the way it is for me mm-hmm. and that and that's, that's how I was yeah and that's how it's supposed to be and you know that's where a lot of our blessings come from too is being good to other people being great you know gratitude is really important to express gratitude to express um yes of course to be kind and and authentic and honest all of those virtues you know Mm. that are good virtues and good code of ethics to live by absolutely essential we're not rewarded for bad behavior and if we are well you're gonna have to face you're gonna have to face it in the afterlife i figure so yeah i (laughs) I just think 
you know, and it, it's so much easier to be kind. It's just so, it takes so much less. It just, it feels, it just feels right, you know? Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Now, as far as your um, upbringing, what was it like growing up? I had an incredible mother. My mother is still alive. She survived COVID, by the way. Um, And my father passed away a long time ago. But, you know, I, I have to say, I never grew up feeling like I couldn't do anything. Like, I could tell my mom, I'm going to go and learn to be an astronaut and I'm going to fly to the moon tomorrow. And she would say, okay, that's great. You're a genius. Like my mom, my mom mom was, I was a bit of a problem in classrooms as a little girl because I was very hyper and I couldn't sit still. And I was really, I had a vivid, wild imagination. And I was blessed in that I had teachers who really encouraged me. In my early, early child, like early, like grade one to grade four, I had this one amazing teacher who I still think of. And she recognized that I was a storyteller and that I was a creative and that I had a vivid imagination. And I loved to tell the class my crazy stories and put on my plays and my skits. And I would run around from classroom to classroom. And she gave me incredible freedom. And there were teachers after that and even earlier who were who were like you know Leslie needs to be encouraged in the arts and she needs an outlet and my mother took that path so my mom put me in dance from a very young age she tried to find outlets for my for my creativity because I was also a disruption in the class so there was that that I was a blessed creative child but there was also I was a huge distraction in the class. Like I would stuff myself inside a garbage can and go throwing myself down the stairs just for laughs. Like I thought I was a stunt woman or something. I don't know. I did that once, but <laughs> I, you know, I ate pottery glaze once and I had to be taken oh, wow. to the stomach pump. I told the kids they could fly and I gave them magic fairy dust and put them on the roof of my house. I mean, I got in a lot of trouble as a little girl because not because I was reckless or trying to hurt anybody, but just because I had this vivid imagination and I believe, you know, and my mom, my mom recognized that. And so did I had some great teachers, but my mother really encouraged me and gave me a proper channel, an outlet. And I can't imagine if I had not had that as a child, like not been, you know, had it harnessed that energy and that impulsivity and that, you know, moving forward type of big energy. I don't know what would have happened to me if they had like, you know, put me on Ritalin or given me electroshock therapy or something, you know, right. like, I'm kind of being extreme. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm really <laughs> exaggerating here. That's but okay. You get the idea. So I I was very grateful to have a very loving mother. There were problems in my parents' relationship. I mean, they divorced when I was probably 13 or 14, I guess. Um, And then my father passed away shortly thereafter. But no, he didn't. He died when I was 19. But, you know, my mom was a single mom for a long time. She raised three of us on her own. Um, She... She was strict, um, 
but loving and she was an intuitive person I think she was very intuitive and 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 gifted in that way like she recognized you know for certainly for me she recognized that I needed a channel to have a channel for my activity for my energy and my creativity and my imagination and she harnessed she helped me that with that a lot Wow, that's good that she gave you the imagination, the ability to be yourself. That's one of the important things. Um, some people, you know, some people have the the vision of their child being a certain way, not realizing their child is created differently off their imagination or how they want them to be or want to train them to be. It's just like sometimes yeah. you gotta. Yeah, sometimes you got to let your child be free and then maneuver from that to build them up. Well, you know, the indigenous community, like in Canada anyway, there is a philosophy and they and it and it's an ancient philosophy among a lot of um a lot of communities. And what they do is the elders watch the children at a very young age and they see their gifts. So if there's a child who's talking at a very young age, and is very communicative and a very big communicator, they will say, oh, that child is going to be a speaker. That child is going to lead our people. That child has power in words. That child has this gift. If a child is always playing and building and constructing things out of nothing, they will look at that child and they will say, they're the strengths of this child. These are the child's gifts. So they actually look to the children to see where they play. And Shakti Gawan wrote an amazing book. I remember years ago I read it, and she said, to find your strengths and your gifts as an adult, look to your childhood. Look to what you enjoyed doing just organically and authentically as a child. What did you do? Where did you play? What did you do when you played? Because it's usually a sign of what you are good at and what you're interested in. Yes. And then, you know, it's very important for us to actually recognize and, you know, analyze all of those different areas that you just mentioned, because it'll help not only you, your child, too, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's no point in trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, right? Yes, definitely, for sure. And, And look where you are today. You are, you have a whole film festival for women and your imagination took you where you at today yes this is true you know it is true it was um an integration of my experience as an independent filmmaker and recognizing a need in the community for women to help make you know a space for them to showcase their work and not just to showcase their work but to show the work to the greater public to say you can't stereotype a woman director by saying that just because she writes and directs a film she's creating it for a female audience that would be like saying a man who is a director directs films for men like nobody does that that's silly Mm -hmm. you know um so to try to break stereotypes and break the mold and the perception, the public perception of women as creative in the film and television industry is probably my, you know, it, the female I will definitely be part of, you know, my legacy, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and I'm proud of that. 
Yes, that that is amazing. Could you tell me a little bit about the different films that you have done in the past and what do you have coming up? Sure. So I just finished in 219, 220, I released a film, Melody Makers, which I wrote and directed and produced. I had some other producers come in and it's about music journalism and rock and roll at a time when there was trust between the press and the artists. So it's based on an amazing photo archive of, of photographs that were taken between 1965 and 1975. So every great artist like David Bowie, Diana Ross, Jimi Hendrix, the Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Elton John. I mean, it goes on and on. And by one photographer who lives here in Toronto, who shot for that magazine, and it was known as Melody Maker. And it was a jazz musician's trade paper in 1928. And then in the 1960s, I think, 1965, they put the Beatles on the front cover and it changed the whole paper. It became wow. what was revered as the Bible of rock and roll. That's what they called it. They said it was, uh, it was if you wanted to know the truth and you wanted to know what was going on, you read this Melody Maker. And so I made that documentary and I released an app, like an IDM for the film, the companion app with photos and picture puzzles and rock trivia. And then, and then I just, um, found out today I'm I'm a, I'm a finalist with the Atlanta uh, Film Festival screenplay competition for a western that I wrote. Wow! Called Soil Dove. It's about a it's a it's kind of a feminist western. It's about a a posse of women outlaws who rescue women and children from violence and oppression and repatriate them to this town called Soil Dove. So Soil Dove has. 10 finalist awards in international screenplay competitions right now and it just got literally today I got an email congratulating me that I'm in the quarterfinals for the Atlanta um, Film Festival screenplay competition which is really huge yes Um, congratulations yeah so I'm excited and then I'm going to be directing my short film The Curtain at the end of the summer early fall and then I'll be shooting again in the winter because I'm shooting two days in the winter to tell my story. So I'm getting busy again with my own film work and my screenwriting for sure. That is amazing. Could you tell me what is in the refrigerator about? I thought it was quite interesting because you had the spirit of a haunted dancer and I'm like, Oh, that sounds like it's good. Yeah. So that, is a film that is um, kind of a Francis Farmer story. I don't know if you're familiar with that film. Jane um, Faye Dunaway was in a film called uh, Francis Farmer, which was based on a, a true story of a woman who was put into a, an asylum. And this story in the refrigerator is based on a loosely on a great aunt of mine who I never met. Um, but I knew her sisters, they were my aunties. And growing up, they used to say, like I told you, I took dance, I danced my entire life. I danced before I moved into film. I was a choreographer and a modern dancer for 18 years. Um, 
maybe not that long, but I mean, from my childhood, I did. Too. So, <laughs> so, okay. so in the refrigerator, in the refrigerator was um, inspired by this great aunt of mine named Dorothy. Everybody called her doll. And she was gone before I was born, but my great aunts used to often talk about her. So when she was 23, she was put in a notorious mental health facility because she drank a bottle of iodine because my great grandmother wouldn't let her marry someone that she wanted to marry. So she drank a bottle of iodine. And I guess back in the day, if you did something like that, you were crazy. And so they put her in this mental institution and I, I went and I retrieved her file. I was curious about her because I look a lot like her and I also danced. And they used to say to me, Oh, you remind us of, our sister doll, she loved to dance, just like you, Leslie Ann. And I was like, oh, who is she? I got to know who she is. So I researched her and I found out, I mean, she died in that place when she was 45. Can you believe it? They did so much electroshock therapy to her every day that back in the day, like she would have grand mal seizures and heart attacks. And my mother was a little girl when my grandmother used to bring her to visit doll. Her doll was my grandmother's sister. And my mom said, as a little girl, she was terrified. She just remembers the clinging of the doors and, and, and seeing her aunt doll. And doll eventually stopped speaking. She became what was referred to as an elective mute. She completely stopped speaking. And she died there uh, at the age of 45 of unknown causes. Well, come on. Um, but it, it is a story about a woman. Um, I fictionalized it. So the film is about a woman who loses her child and she is losing her mind and she feels she's going the way of her aunt doll. She feels she's, she's going to end up like her aunt doll. And that's basically what the film is about. It's about, about things that get passed down from one generation to the next. It's, it's about familial history and my matriarchal history and my family. And that was 40 minutes long. It was my first film. And I won like 13 international awards for that film. It actually got wow. invited to the Academy. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts and Science, called me when I was in New York and said, we would like to screen your film in the refrigerator in Santa Monica at the Lemley Theater twice a day for the, for the Oscar jury uh, for nomination for Best Short Live Action. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, crazy it was girl yes <laughs> it got nuts and uh, it ended up being over by two minutes and 37 seconds like it, for a uh, live action for an academy award you have to be 45 minutes hard stop you can't be over no more you can't go over the time um i didn't know that i mean i didn't make the film for the academy awards i made the film because I wanted to explore my fam my the women in my family and the history of the women in my family. So Wow. So did you um what what was your involvement with the God Send? Because I watched the previews of that and I think I'm gonna go back and watch that. I saw that. I'm I play that was a film with De Niro and Rebecca Stamos and I was hired to play a dealer, an art dealer in that film. So wow. I play Rebecca Stamos's art rep in that film. Oh, wow. Yeah, that movie mm -hmm. looks like it's pretty good. I was like, wow, when I saw that earlier, I'm like, I'm going to have to watch this. Just them, just It's a scary breaks. film. 
Yeah, yeah, it looked very interesting. <laughs> Even a child leaving and then they bring it back. Like, oh god, <laughs> I know. You like yes. the late night trolls and shows, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> you know, I love I love mystery things. I love solving things. I like crying. Yeah, I don't know why. But it's just something and my mom used to tell me that I I should have been a um a private a investigator or a detective. Yes. Have you seen have you seen Homeland, the series with Claire Danes? No, I haven't. Oh, you have to watch Homeland. I binge watched the entire series. It is great. You have okay. I, I if you like that, you definitely should watch Homeland. Okay, I'm definitely going to watch that. Yeah, you definitely should. You're going to love it. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to remember that. And I'm going to DM you and be like, this movie was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yes. So um, in closing, could you leave something very um, inspirational for women that are listening today? Don't let anyone tell you you can't do anything. Oh, you know, that was a mouthful right there. You know that, right? Yeah. (laughs) That was a (laughs) mouthful. Because, you know, sometimes we unconsciously let people dictate our lives because we are, women are natural people pleasers. Yeah, it's true. We're peacekeepers. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we just want to just care, love, give, and do everything. But I think we are in the new form of our lives where we need to start tapping into our power and loving ourselves more and caring about ourselves and being firm. Well, I agree. And they say that for us to love greatly, we have to love ourselves first. Yes. How can you... You know, you can't really fully love and take care of other people if we don't take care of ourselves. Yes, that is so true. Right? Yes, that and, is true. And and I think we just need to give ourselves permission to, to just be authentically who we are and to never let anyone tell us there's something we can't do or we shouldn't do. If we feel it's in our spirit and we should do it, we're being moved by that. We should do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And not and not not be led by other people's fears. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They have they'll put that on us real quick. <laughs> oh yeah. Real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being on Life Her Podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation today. I did as well. It was lovely speaking with you. It was lovely. Thank you again. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Life Her Podcast, where we help heal women all over the world. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, Life Her Podcast, and check out our YouTube page as well. And make sure you subscribe. You can also look onto our website and you can purchase merchandise and listen to the podcast episodes. I am Yvette Lloyd. I am Life Her. Love yourself, ladies. Take care of yourself and others you love dearly.